Um, I'm just going to read uh, from the Bible now. Uh, it's uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7. And as we do in kids' church, first person to get to the verse gets a prize. Um, oh, in the church Bible that is, sorry. Um, so that you can shout out the, uh, the page number, please. The kids are way faster. Page 1219. Thank you. Okay. This is the um, NIV version. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate um, as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as the heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Thank you for for James. Thank you for the preparation he's done, Lord. Uh, we just pray that you'll um, bless his words, Lord, that they will be uh, your words, Lord, in your interpretation of the word. Um, we just uh, pray that you'll open our hearts and minds to the truth that is said now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you've got uh, 1 Peter open in front of you, uh, please do keep it open. If you don't have it open in front of you, find, find it somewhere. On a phone, on a Bible, some sheets around but it's good to have this in front of us as we look at it together. Can everyone hear me? Brilliant. Well, we're back in 1 Peter. It's been a while. Um, It's so great to be back in this amazing book um, after a summer um, in Psalm 119. So we're going to spend some time refocusing our minds uh, on what 1 Peter has been about so far. Peter was writing this letter to people scattered through what now we would call Turkey. Um, And these people are a mixture um, of various people from various backgrounds, but they're mainly Gentiles. They're non-Jews. Well, why is this important? Well, they're people with no spiritual pedigree, like the Jews. They're living in tiny backwaters on the edge of the vast Roman Empire. And Peter is writing to them to encourage them to stand fast in the true grace of God. Peter wants to encourage these Christians, these small groups of persecuted Christians, that they are God's chosen people, and particularly in the light of the persecution that they were enduring and the persecution that they would go on to endure. These Christians were about to experience one of the worst times of Christian persecution in history under Emperor Nero. And Peter's letter probably arrives with them uh, when um, the the persecution is is beginning to brew. Um, These Christians are starting to experience verbal, physical abuse and being ostracized from society. 
So how is Peter's letter going to help God's scattered elect exiles? Well, he says they need to anchor themselves in the lordship of Christ. And we see this as a consistent theme through the book. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That is what Peter wants them to remember. That's what Peter wants them to stand fast in. And Peter uh, applies this to every area of life. We're just going to quickly run through where we've been so far, um, and then we'll get into the passage shortly. We start off saying that Jesus is Lord because of God's plan. From verse 3 of chapter 1, if you just want to flick back there, we have the most beautiful words um, from verse 3. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Then Peter goes on and shows us how our personal identity is found in Jesus' lordship. If you look with me from verse 22 of chapter 1, he goes on and says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seeds, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Peter is saying Jesus is Lord over your individual relationships, over your individual lives. But then he goes on to show how Jesus is Lord over the church, over the body of believers together. And we see that in the first 10 verses of chapter 2, and it's where we find our verse of the year, down in verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So having established the theology and the general picture, starting from Uh, verse 11 of chapter 2, he goes on to explain how Jesus is Lord over our relationships, our relationship to the world and our relationship with each other. And this brings us to our passage this evening, back in chapter 3, where Peter tells his readers that Jesus is Lord over marriage. I think there should be some slides coming up. Um, Yes, Jesus is Lord in marriage. Those of us who are single here this evening, please know that there's lots in this passage for us to to take away and be challenged by. And even if marriage isn't on the radar for you, it's so good to look into these things. As we come to this passage, we need to see that God designed marriage, and he designed it as a reflection of the perfect marriage between Christ and the church. A man called Jeffrey Bromley says this, As God made man in his own image, so he made earthly marriage in the image of his own eternal marriage with his people. As we look through the Bible, we see this picture of marriage being hinted at from beginning to end. At the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2.24, it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. 
and they become one flesh. In the middle of the Bible, we've got books like Song of Songs that celebrate marriage. And at the end of the Bible, we read about the wedding supper of the Lamb. This picture of marriage is interwoven throughout Scripture. We see God loves marriage because of that picture that it represents. Always pointing to the great marriage of Christ and the church. So if God has designed marriage and Jesus is Lord over everything in our lives, including marriage, then it's only fair that God gives us instructions and guidance for how it is to work. Well, why is that? Well, because a Christian marriage is a great declaration of a future reality, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This brings us to our first point this evening. Our first point is truly strong men sacrifice their lives for the sake of Christ. Truly strong men sacrifice their lives for the sake of Christ. But how do we see the lordship of Christ in marriage? Well, for that we need to skip down to verse 7 and we're going to work through backwards. Um, If we read verse 7 together, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Men, be like Christ towards your families. The command here is for men to imitate Christ's sacrificial love for his family. It says in Ephesians 5.25, when he was heard it yesterday, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This describes the kind of love that is to exist between a husband and wife. A sacrificial love. And we see the greatest act of love by what Jesus did, by dying on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. We know how much someone loves us if they're willing to sacrifice things for us. We see how much Jesus loves us because he sacrificed his life for us. Men, we need to be sacrificing all we have for the sake of Christ. We need to imitate Christ's love for the church. I read this article on HuffPost. It's slightly cheesy, um, but it says this. Uh, He titled it, The Simple Words That Saved My Marriage. I want you to picture uh, Richard and Kerry. They're an American couple, both Christians, but struggling in their marriage. Richard says this, Our fighting became so constant, it was difficult to even imagine a peaceful relationship. We're on the edge of divorce, and we discussed it more than once. One night, it all came to a head in the depths Of my despair, powerful inspiration came. He writes, you can't change her. You can only change yourself. At that moment, I began to pray, he said. If I can't change her, God, then change me. I prayed late into the night. I prayed the next day on the flight home. I prayed as I walked into the door to a cold wife who barely even acknowledged me. That night, He writes, as we lay in our bed, inches from each other, yet miles apart, the inspiration came. 
I knew what I had to do. The next morning, I rolled over in bed next to Kerry and asked, how can I make your day better? How can I make your day better? The story goes on over the next weeks as Richard asks this question every morning. Richard's decision to die to self not only changed his heart, but changed his wife's heart too. Kerry began to warm, and she began asking, what do you need from me? How can I be a better wife? He writes, the walls fell down between us. We began having meaningful discussions on what we wanted from life and how we could make each other happier. He says, no, we didn't solve all our problems, and I can't even say that we never fought again. But the nature of our fights changed. Not only were they becoming more rare, they lacked the energy they once had. And that's just one illustration of sacrificial love between a husband and a wife and how that changed their marriage. God's grace in marriage is that the pattern of marriage points towards a sacrificial love of Christ. Both husband and wife are to love each other in this way, sacrificing their own needs before the other. Not saying, what can I do for me? Rather, what can I do for you? And our second and final point is truly strong women submit their lives for the sake of Christ. Truly strong women submit their lives for the sake of Christ. And as we get back into the text, I don't want any of the language here to be a blocker to any of you. Our culture wants to say that the Bible is anti-women because of passages like this and similar to this. But it definitely isn't. We're just going to take a few minutes to look at the powerful portrait of womanhood that Peter paints for us in these words. John Piper says about these about these verses, he says, What we see is a deep is deep strong roots of womanhood underneath the fruit of submission. The roots make submission the strong and beautiful thing that it is. We start with verse five, and it says, This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. A Christian woman does not put her hope in her husband or in getting a husband. She does not put her hope in her looks. She puts her hope in the promises of God. He goes on. The thing we see after hope in God is the fearlessness that it produces. So verse 5 said that holy women of old hoped in God. And then verse 6 gives Sarah, that's Abraham's wife, as an example, and then refers to all other Christian women as her daughters. The end of verse 6, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So Peter's painting this portrait of womanhood first marked by hope in God, and then what grows out of that hope? Fearlessness. When a woman puts her hope in the promises of God, puts her hope in God, and not in her husband, not in her looks, 
when she overcomes fear by the promises of God, we read that will have an effect on her heart. It will give her inner tranquility that Peter writes about. Peter lays the lays out, this is where the identity of the Christian woman should be. Peter says in verse 4, the unfailing beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Peter is wanting to build up and encourage these Christian women scattered throughout modern-day Turkey. And Peter applies this principle of strong submission to the hardest of situations. A non-Christian husband loved by a Christian wife. And this must have been happening in Peter's culture. And he wants to encourage spouses where only one of them knows Jesus to stand firm in the grace of God. And this is not uncommon in the 21st century either. How is the lordship of Christ expressed when it's only known by one party? Well, Peter lays that out for us in verses 1 to 6. And it's partly down to what we've just been through about the characteristics of a Christian woman in this worst-case scenario. Because the Christian wife has known love, the love of Jesus, then she submits to Christ. She has also has the strength and grace to submit to her non-Christian husband. So that through her actions, Peter writes, he might know Christ's love too. This perfect picture of marriage between Christ and the church should be a model for our earthly marriages and our images of the future inheritance that we have through Jesus. So for all of us who are single, this means that we're to honor each other now as if um, those around you will one day be the husband or wife of someone else. And that means practicing and developing a sacrificial love with each other so that one day it will become second nature. And for those of you who are thinking about relationships or in relationships but not yet married, these are things that are so important to think about and consider. The reason I put strong in both of the, the headings, truly strong women, truly strong men, is because it takes strength to sacrifice and strength to submit. Both sacrificing and submitting are things that we naturally don't want to do. Our sinful hearts want to put ourselves first, want to make ourselves better, put ourselves above everyone else. We don't naturally want to submit. We don't naturally want to sacrifice. We have to fight our natural instincts to put ourselves last and the other person first. And this is hard to do, but through the Holy Spirit, we are enabled and equipped to live this out. And most amazingly of all, we see these characteristics displayed in Jesus We see Jesus loved so sacrificially. We see Jesus submitted so beautifully. We need to look to Jesus and imitate what he has done. Sacrifice and submit for the sake of Christ.
We've got some questions going to come up on the screen. And uh, take a few minutes around your tables to discuss uh, these, any of these questions. You can choose uh, all of them or one of them. Um, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. Uh, but just take a few minutes now to discuss these questions on the board. <laughs> 